Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin. I'm joined by the man who missed my beautiful face, Mr. Shane Reeves. I did. It feels like it's been a month since we recorded. Well, it has. <laughs> it's well, been three weeks anyway. Well, yeah, we did two two week, two shows twice in one day, two weeks in a row. Yeah, which we're also going to have to do the next two weeks, which we can talk about after the show. But we're yeah. about to move into that again. Well, and the, yeah, I've got the Vegas trip up there. Oh, I got to tell you, I had a stroke of brilliance on this Vegas trip. <laughs> Which is better than just having a stroke. Yes. Tell, tell me this is not my best ideal ever. So we're going up there to the, to the PCA show. And me, and the, me and one of the owners were talking, and he said, okay, the other owner is going to be there on Saturday and Sunday. So I would like to visit with our big accounts on Saturday and Sunday. So we've been scheduling all of our big, you know, our Perdomos and our Altadis and our, our big dollar accounts that we do a lot of business with um, for Saturday and Sunday. Well, then either he's really enjoying this cigar or I'm putting him to sleep. <laughs> How many times have we recorded this show where it was the first cigar I've had of the day? Oh, very few. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Let me finish my thought. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'll just, I'll just sorry, be over here. I didn't, you know, keep I going. didn't know if Trey was falling out on me or what. I, um, yeah, I did, did, I'm, I'm very close to needing a moment alone. <laughs> just no, keep, keep going. I'm going to close my eyes right. and enjoy this. Okay. So I said, that's fine. I said, but Monday when it's just you and I, I want to schedule as many boutique brands as we can in 30-minute segments. All right. And I want us to hit as many of these drunk chicken cigars and uh, battleground cigar and oh you know and all of these guys that'll that love to just sell you a box or two. Right. But are the true boutique small guys. I think I'm going to probably enjoy Monday more than any day of the show. Are you expecting any of the cigars to be good? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'm I'm expecting to find the sleeper. Do you I'm, think so? I, I'm expecting to find that one to say. Oh wow! This is this is out of the, we need, we need to get it on the ground floor with these guys. All right. Do you think you're going to find any cigars that are good that are worth the price? You know the so the, that's where that's where the the rub is, right? Well, the thing is, the price structure of cigars has come up so much. You know, used to the difference in a twelve dollar cigar and a sixteen dollar cigar was a lot. Yeah. Now it's kind of the difference in a $16 cigar and a $20 cigar. Well, yeah. So the price structure has moved, and it may have just moved in my head more so than the average vendor. But I will say, as far as the guys buying the cigars in here, we have no trouble selling a $20 cigar. Yeah. But I also know that when you smoke it the first time, you're going to be thinking, is this worth 20 of my own dollars? Right. Now, if you... If you Price your cigar to $20 for me. You better bring it. Mm-hmm. But like I smoked a Freud Super Ego. It's a $19 cigar. It's worth every stinking penny yeah. and more. So, you know, we're going to talk to Freud while we're there. At the Well, talk to Freud cigars. But <laughs> <laughs> we'd need a medium to talk to Freud. But we're going to talk to Freud cigars while we're there at the show. Because that Super Ego was just out of this world. And then I had the Alter Ego. It was good. It wasn't, but... Mm-hmm. It was good compared to other cigars. It was not as good as the Super Eco. Right. So anyway, so speaking of trying new cigars, 
I am trying the Adventura, the Conqueror. So Adventura Cigars, new cigar company on the scene, very trendy, very um, marketing feels a lot like foundation. How do you get trendy? Well, you know, they got the little AVO on the thing. Well, I don't, I, well I'll have to show you a picture of the owners and then you'll see exactly. Gotcha. Okay. They're kind, they're kind of those metrosexual type guys. That's that, a word I haven't heard in a <laughs> long time. They kind of have that. And, they, and they're doing the whole pirate theme, which is kind of, you know. All right. So, okay. But Adventurous Cigars, I'm smoking the Conqueror. The Conqueror has an H2000 Ecuador wrapper. Indonesian binder and filler from Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. Um, one of the interesting things they put on their page: aging raw tobacco four to five years, cigars four to five months. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that they actually. Now, do you put believe them? Oh no, not for a minute. Okay, <laughs> but I like that they bothered to construct a good lie. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no. So anyway, I'm tr- I'm trying that. Why don't you tell everyone about the cigar that's making your day? Uh, this is the H Upman by by AJ Fernandez. You know, I, I've tried so long, you know, when we walk in this humidor, not to just go straight for the AJ section. But when I tell you, you know, do you ever have those days, which I don't think you do. I think you're too much of a golden retriever. But do you ever have those days where everyone who woke up that morning is going to bed still alive? And that's a testament to your character. <laughs> that's the kind of day I'm having. It's... It has not been good. Babysitter calls out. We had a busy, busy weekend. We were, I refinished the kitchen island. We cleaned the house all day yesterday. Um, Like I said, babysitter calls out. My boss is being a a something head. And uh, it's, and and then I had, Meetings, dog training, like all this stuff today. Dog throws up in the back of my car on the way here. Like, not a good day. I have not had a cigar at all. Even though the weather's been perfect for it at 75 degrees and mildly sunny. So I just, we were going through show prep and I was just, I was, I was this close to saying, Shane, shut up. Let's just go. I need this to start. Uh, I'm ready for my cigar. Yeah, I I left the house desperate for a cigar. And this, I knew this was going to deliver. You know, I, I thought about going for something else. I thought about grabbing that Dorado. But it wasn't a $13 cigar kind of day. You know, we've talked right. about that in the past. When you're, when you're going up a level, it's usually because of something good. You don't have a crap day and say, I'm buying a Padron. So that's why I stuck with this. We've talked about it before because I've had this on the show a number of times, but it's a Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper over Nicaragua um, binder filler, and it's delicious. It starts out with a heavy punch, mellows out in the middle, comes back strong at the end, Every does everything you want a cigar to do it more. So I have a question. It's an interesting thing I was thinking about the other day. When it's your first cigar of the day, do you find yourself smoking it faster than you normally would, or does it, or is it a mental thing? So, like, we had a golf tournament Friday. Yeah. So Friday, on our way to our first hole, I'm firing up an Africa. It's time for an Africa. I've up. I've had breakfast. I'm relaxed. I've been social. I've done all of my stuff. Yeah. 
and I fire up in Africa, and I felt like I just smoked the cover off that thing out there on that golf course. Do you ever have that? Yeah, I, I think it depends. If if my first cigar of the day is like like what I've just experienced, usually it it's a thirty minute cigar, even if it's a Churchill. Uh, I hate I hate to be that way, right? Like I don't want to be a nicotine fiend, mm-hmm. but it, it it doesn't come from that. It comes from a place of this is good. This centers me. This brings me back to the person that I feel like I should be, and I want to get there quickly. It's not that anxious nicotine kind of cigarette type of thing. But yeah, if it's if it's on a boat, it's slow. If it's on vacation, it's slow. If it's me trying to find time in between meetings to get to the cigar shop and back on, on a Wednesday, it's fast. Right. Yeah, I think there's just, um, there's times that that, and the buddy I was golfing with, um, weekend tray, he and I were golfing and both of us are like, man, we're just, he had a um, uh, Zeno. And he's, he's like, man, he said, I, see, it feels like I, and like three holes later, both of us are down to the nubs on our cigars. I'm like, man, I smoke that fast. He said, me too. Well, and I've also found about golfing with a cigar is the first cigar is always, is it always lasts about three holes. Mm-hmm. The second lasts about six. Mm-hmm. If you go for a third, it usually lasts until you're at the clubhouse. Yeah, it's funny how that kind of the the progression goes with that. So, from Half Wheel, Oscar Valadares adding Leaf by Oscar 10th Anniversary Criollo and a 2012 Sumatra at the PCA show this year. So, I feel bad about the 2012 series. We had the 2012 series come in here at the same time we had the Leafs come in. And everybody fell in love with the Leafs. And I think the 2012s got left out in the cold. Yeah. And never really got a shot at it. Because then, from then on, anybody that reached for an Oscar reached for a Leaf. Yeah. So we ended up clearance and getting rid of the 2012s. And we're not planning on bringing them back. Which is kind of unfair to that cigar. But that's just part of... I think that's part of life at this point. Now, this is the the gimmick of the marketing is the Mayan calendar, right? The end um, of the world? Probably something to do with that. With a nod to the year the company... No, it was a nod to the year the company was founded, but to the Mayan calendar. Yep, you're right. Okay. Mayan calendar. Foretold the end of the world. Um, so, the one I'm interested in is the Leaf Bosque or 10th Anniversary Criollo. They're not announcing the price on this one yet, but I, I can't imagine it wouldn't be just in line with the other leaves. I would, or or maybe just a hair more. Right, maybe a buck or two more at the outside. But I just um, I seen this article. And I thought that's interesting because they haven't come out with a new leaf in a long time. Yeah, they've done some other stuff. They've done, and you know, I like the concept of the raw dog of a cigar without a wrapper, <laughs> but. I refuse to bring a cigar into my humidor called Raw Dog. Yeah, not doing it. No, it's just that's, that's not going to create and generate the kind of clientele and atmosphere that we're we're hoping to conduct inside this right. shop. So, but anyway, Leaf by Oscar 10th Anniversary Criollo. I, I 
I'm, I'm interested to try it. I can't wait to go to the show and give that a shot. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear your take on it. You like the leaf. I don't. I like the leaf, um, but if I never smoked another one, I wouldn't. Bre- it wouldn't. It wouldn't break your heart. No, it's it's not like I would miss it if it was gone. Um, I like it. It makes it into the rotation from time to time, but I don't think I would miss it if it was gone. Yeah, I get that. That, that's, that's disturbing him. I put my foot up and Benny feels the need to run under it. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's part of his agility training. <laughs> you're, you're the tunnel. Also from Half Wheel, Nevada passes 50 cents tax cap for premium cigars. So this is from June 6th, so it's not too far back. Yeah. And it says yesterday, so June 5th, the Nevada Senate approved AB 232 by a vote of 18 to 3. That's a big vote for a cigar bill. Yeah. And for a tax. And Nevada's not a big, it's not like it's, you know, if this was Kentucky or somewhere that was a big tobacco state, I might think it would be different. I feel like Nevada's a big tobacco consumption state. Maybe just that Western mentality. Yeah. Well, and the casinos. True. Um, the bill passed the Nevada Assembly, meaning it now heads to government Joe Lombardo to be signed in the law. It would modify Nevada's existing tobacco tax, which charges a state tax of each cigar of 30% of its wholesale. Oof. And changed it that, that the premium cigar would be no more than 50 cents worth of tax on any premium cigar in Nevada. And that's per each, right? Right. Yeah. Now, I think that's great. You know, the... T- Anytime I talk to somebody who's not from the U.S., you know, one of the things that I think confuses people the most is the way our tax system works here. The fact that it varies state by state, that it's different, that it's not calculated till you get to the register. So I was in New York City last week. Anybody who follows us on social media knows that. And um, so I land at like 1030 and... I can't check into my hotel. It's, and so I get in, and I immediately... I had already scoped out where the nearest cigar shop was, and it was a casa, because there were a handful of like local shops, but I knew I, knew I could count on casa to be what I needed to be, where, right. you know, all of that stuff. And I believe it or not, I actually picked my hotel based on a combination of being close to the conference center that I was attending... And on the same train line as put me at the at the station right next to Casa. So I was ten minutes door to door with, you know, four stops on the on the E train. I walk in, I sent you a text message, I said, guess how much and I was wrong. It was this very cigar. It was the Toro AJ uh, H. Upman. Ten fifty sticker price. Yeah, they're losing money on that cigar selling it to you. Yeah. New York's absurd tax. Well, so here's here's what, what I wasn't factoring in. Because the first day I bought cigars, I bought two. I wasn't paying attention. It was like 25 bucks when I checked out. Okay, two, two cigars, 25 bucks. That's reasonable, right? The next day, I just bought this cigar. You want to know what my total was after tax? 1584 so it was cheaper to buy two. <laughs> well, no, I just wasn't factory. I didn't realize. So sticker price ten fifty. I paid fifty percent tax per cigar. So I'm 
I'm guessing. Well, no, I looked at it because I went to Davidoff Geneva to buy some cigars for some folks who who wanted them, and they rolled their tax, their tobacco tax, into the cost of of the sticker. And tobacco, so I don't know if it's New York City or whatever. So sales tax on tobacco products is ten percent. You know, sales tax in New York is not 10%. I think it's something like 6 overall. Um, so, which means that probably thir- maybe 30 like Nevada or 40%, I don't know the exact math, is just state tobacco tax. It's insane. So, do you think it's fair of the companies of the, you know, when the tobacco tax is that high? Do you think it's fair for the lounge to charge that, to have a sticker price of MSRP and then charge that after the fact? Mm -mm. No. In fact, I think we, I think we should do away with pre-tax sticker price tags across the board. You know, oh, it's too difficult because every state's tax, I don't care. Print a new, print a, a different price tag in every state. Don't show me the price before tax. Right. You've got a POS. Yeah. You're going to scan the cigar. It's, it's, not, it's not difficult. This is not a, a mighty yeah. hill to climb. No. Yeah. I think, you know, because I walk into Casa and I go, hey, I'm not paying New York City, you know, right. the, the upcharge. Because uh, it's the same price they charge at the one in Nashville. And they get to the register and it's 15 bucks. So I go, I would have much rather known that in the humidor. I was going right. to buy it either way. Don't don't give me sticker shock because of tax. Yeah. I don't I, care what I the product is it. either. Well, so also the other thing about this Nevada law that passed, they did define, AB 232 defines a premium cigar. A cigar that is rolled by hand has a wrapper made of whole tobacco leaves and does not have a filter or mouthpiece. And that's it. Yeah. And that's adequate. I, I think so, too. What what else do you need? Maybe 100% tobacco? Maybe. And, but it says wrapper made, rolled by hand, made of whole tobacco leaves, does not have a fill. You know, the that and this article points out that that's a much broader definition than they've been bannering about about the premium cigar exemption. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a perfectly serviceable definition of what a premium cigar is. Yeah. So what show did you end up going to see in New York? Um, I went to the Comedy Cellar. I didn't go see a show. Um, because Comedy Cellar, it, Colin Quinn, Greg Giraldo, Seinfeld, uh, Godfrey, Louis C.K., the number, the names of just legends who have come through that place. It is to East Coast comedy what the Comedy Store is to West Coast comedy. That was a as pure a bucket list, an actual bucket list item as I've ever experienced. And so I went out there Wednesday night and caught the show. Who'd you see? No one you've ever heard of. <laughs> um, was he good? Yeah, I mean, no, there were so there were five comics because that's the way they do their shows. There's a, the MC was really good. That was the same day that the whole city turned orange. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, those pictures do it justice. It was literally that orange. It was unlike anything. It was completely unreal. But so they were all talking about that. There was a there was a modern day Woody Allen 
like the stereotypical scrawny Jewish New Yorker who was brilliantly funny. Um, the MC was really good. Do you know who Sebastian Maniscalco is? I've heard of him. Com- absolutely unfunny, just over the top character, non genuine. There was a one of the guys that played that night was basically him made over, and he was not funny. And I, but of the five comedians, he was the only one that I was like, eh, I wish I hadn't seen him. But everybody else was was really good. You know, it's funny because it's amazing how quick you can detect genuineness. This is never more prevalent than in wrestling. You know, Terry Funk. Terry Funk was famous for people saying, well, what what about the fact that wrestling's not real? And he said, I don't have to make the people believe wrestling's real. I got to make the people believe I'm real. Yeah. And I think comedy is very much that way. You just have to make them believe that you're real. Yeah. And, and when somebody doesn't do that, it never really establishes that. So, yeah, but I have a very, very cool. I'm, so what, what was the other cool thing you did while you were there? Um, I ate at a really good Cuban restaurant. Um, so I did, I mean, I was, I was at a conference, so I didn't get to do much that was fun or exciting. It was before I left, I was like, how cool would it be to, to see the Braves play the Mets? Because... I've only ever seen my team play a home game. I've never seen it away. I was like, that would be really cool. So I checked the schedule. Sure enough, the Braves were playing the Mets last week in Atlanta. <laughs> so I didn't get to do that. I didn't even get to watch it on TV because there was blacked out uh, because of the way the MLB does their stuff. But um, no, I ate some decent food. I, I really just went to the conference, went to the cigar shop. I, I do have a question for you, though, because I think this... I feel like this is an etiquette question that will have never even crossed your mind to think about. By all means. You are in a hotel, let's say when you go to Vegas, um, and you're, you're there for a purpose. So you're setting the alarm in the morning to make sure you get up or whatever. You make sure the alarm is turned off before you leave, right? Right. Does that, that, that is something that you think about and you do? Oh, Absolutely. Okay, see, for, for some reason, I thought that would have been the kind of thing that you just would never, ever think about, because it's just a little too, it, it's a little too thinking beyond just so did the e- guy, easy etiquette. the guy in the next room have his alarm on? No. The first morning I'm there, I wake up at 6 a.m., because which is Eastern time, so 5 a.m. my body's time. I'm woken up by the alarm clock because the idiot didn't turn his alarm off when he checked out the day before. And, you know, a hotel alarm clock, it you don't know what the buttons do. Right. This They're all different. It's 5 o'clock. It's dark. I don't know what's going on. It's 2023. Here's a thought. Use your phone like everybody else. There's no need to set the hotel alarm clock anymore. Can we all just get on board with this? Yeah, absolutely. That's... Uh, but yes, I have actually thought about that before. It, uh, and usually when I go into the hotel room, I will check the alarm clock if I'm on vacation and be sure it's turned off. I have such a good internal alarm clock. If I go to sleep thinking, okay, I absolutely need to be up no later than 7 o'clock tomorrow, my body will wake me up at 6.58. 
See, I can do that, but it affects my quality of sleep that night. It does me too. But the funny thing about the way my neurotic brain works is that I'm going to have crappy sleep thinking about it, whether I set the alarm or not. So it kind of works out. Well, let's step away for a break. And when we get back, let's talk about E.P. Carrillo's new experiment in blending. All right. We'll be back with that more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane. Sitting across from the man who changed Benny's name to Rolex because he wanted him to be a watchdog, Mr. Trey Dedman. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. I like that. That, that. That's his dad joke as it gets, that's I know. Pre- yeah, it is. <laughs> I know that's pretty dad jokey of me, but I, but I couldn't resist. I know you'd get a kick. So, Half Wheel. We're just this- jumping right into it. Huh? I, actually, I, wanted, I didn't get a chance to comment on it at the top of the show. Uh, I'm really excited to see what you think of that cigar because I've had it. So so far, it's close to good. Yeah, it's kind of it. It's right on the edge of being good enough that I would think somebody else would like it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's bad, but it's not. You know, some cigars from the moment you light them just grab you and hold you and gently caress you and bring you all of the joy that that particular piece of tobacco has to offer. Yeah. This this one's kind of just, you know, throwing it at me saying enjoy it if you want it or not. Right. So it's kind of a difference in the way that the tobacco is treating me in this, but it's very close to good. Some cigars are fine dining. That's a diner. Yeah, this is kind of a greasy, you know, <laughs> it's not a meat and three, it's a it's a cheeseburger and onion ring. Yeah, exactly. So, E.P. Grillo's new escapade line to be blended with the help of consumers. So, saw this article on Half Wheel, and I seen the title of the article, and I thought, hey, that's a great idea. But how do you go about it? Not the way they're going to do it, <laughs> if you ask me. So, the way they're going to do it is they are going to do three Zoom sessions with 10 participants each. Um, And then once those sessions are over, they'll create a three-pack featuring a blend from each of the the sessions. And then, you know, a round of voting similar to that of, you know, other people that have done this with us. And they'll eventually, you know, launch the winning one. So consumers wishing to participate... In one of the sessions, are invited to email an RSVP to info at EP Cigar with Escapade in the subject line and share three things they would like to see in a new cigar. So if you had to share three things you'd like to see in a new cigar, what would you share? Yeah, see, that's, I mean, I, I... Can only assume it's you know three things you'd like to see from a new cigar from them. So maybe it's a, a wrapper they don't use a lot of, or a shape that they don't make. You know, EP Creo doesn't make a Lancero, so I could say, okay, I'd, I'd like to see you guys try your hand on Lancero. I don't, I don't want a Lancero, but people might. You know, or maybe someone has a blend in mind. I, here's the thing, though, like thirty people is not enough to say this was blended by consumer. I mean, technically, yes, it is, but. There's just no engagement here. Right. The The thing is, if you were going to do this, you would want to, you would have to do some sort of a, um, 
If the people aren't smoking what they're talking about, how much value can it have? But exactly, you know, do raffle off the opportunity to participate at events. You know, so you go to event. The grand prize is that you get to sit in on one of these sessions and you get to, you know, try the the blends that come out of it. Okay, that, all right. But just any old Tom, Dick, or Harry that happens to email in, and here's where I get a little cynical, whose three things that they list happen to be the kinds of things that they're already planning and thinking about for these. You know, oh, well, we've already got our, you know, They've already got the three blends. They already know what the three oh, blends absolutely. are going to be. You know, so let's pick the 30 people whose ideas closely match what we're already going to do. That way it feels like, I don't know, this just seems like, what's the marketing equivalent of virtue signaling? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of <laughs> seems like that. Um, but it is, it is attacking a different aspect of the cigar industry. When you talk to somebody, the average cigar smoker, and you say, well, wouldn't you like to make your own cigar? They think you're thinking of physically rolling your yeah. own cigar. Which we discussed a couple weeks ago. Right. That's not what I want to do. I want to blend it. <laughs> this is what you want to do. Right. This is what I want to do. But for me to do this, I would have to have like five binders, five fillers, and five wrappers wrapped into small cigars in front of me mm. and kind of taking a puff off of each one. And keeping track of them to see what blends I would like to put together. Yeah. So, but, hey, I do give them credit for trying something new. We can definitely give them some credit for that. So, on to an article that I shouldn't like, that I actually picked this article up because I said, oh, boy, here we go again. I'm not going to like this. Hoya de Nicaragua releasing humidor packed with numero uno cigars. Now, do you like the uno? Not particularly. Not for the price. See, I don't either. Um, one, it's a Lancero style, which I don't really like. I like a thicker cigar. I would love to have it in a Toro. Right. I'd love to see what it tastes like in a Toro. But so, Nicaragua de Nicaragua is going to release a humidor. It's a beautiful blue humidor. It's a beautiful humidor. That's one of my favorite shades of blue. I love that color. Yeah. And it's a lacquer finish, reminiscent of the brand cigar box design with a gold trim border. Very pretty. Humidor holds 150 cigars, 75 Lafir, Le Premiers, a Churchill, 6 by seven and, eight, six and 7 eighths by 48, and 75 of the Lonsdale size, 6 and 5 eighths by 44. Suggested retail price for the Humidor fully stocked is $2,850. So you do the math on that, and it comes out... $8 a stick. About $8. Or eighteen dollars. Excuse me, eighteen dollars a yeah. stick. Yeah, for a cigar that retails at eighteen dollars a stick. stick. Yeah. So if you know, and you know, you were just neither one of us are particularly crazy about this cigar, but the opportunity to get it in a Churchill, more so than the Lonsdale. The Lonsdale you can get, but Churchill I could understand. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good deal. You get a free humidor. It's. You know, it's very pretty. It, you know, I, I feel like they're doing this right. It seems like something that Hoya would do. Hoya to me always seems like the working man's cigar. 
Yeah, which is why an $18 cigar with the Hoya brand doesn't make sense to me in the first place. Right. I think that's the loop. That's been the problem with this cigar selling. Yeah. Because, you know, we had the Hoya guys in here the other day, and they were really pushing this one and the Cointreau Cinco to us. Mm -hmm. And we're like, neither one of them are going to fit a price point for a Hoya cigar. You need to be pushing the Hoya Ridge. You need to be pushing the Cabinetta. You need to be pushing the cigars. And they're like, we don't need to push those. Let's sell. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, they've got a point. And so I understand that. But, you know, fully stocked humidor, $2,850. So take take your favorite cigar. Say your favorite H. Upman, A.J. Fernandez cigar. If you had the opportunity and you had the free income at some point, yeah. say you just have to, you know, Say you had um, a well, windfall. And, okay. Well, I'll let you keep going. Yeah. Say, say that they said, okay, we're going to give you, so that cigar is what, $12? $12? $10. So, okay, we're going to give you um, 200 of them, so that's $2,000. Yep. And a free humidor. Oh, because the thing is, and this is exactly where I thought you were going with that, I'm... I'm going to smoke $2,000 worth of this cigar. Mm-hmm. Probably this year. <laughs> um, so, and, and that's, that's what I love about cigars. I've got a decent humidor. That, so it's a lot like when we go to Costco, we buy a thing of baby wipes. Doesn't matter how many we have at the house. We just, we just they're not going to expire. They're not going to go bad before we get to them, and we're going to use them. Right. It's... So for me, it's, it's, yeah, if you've got the free income, I'm going to spend it on this anyway. I just don't have it maybe in hand right now, but I can find a way to get, you know. Well, it's like the Africa. I'm going to smoke more Africas in a year than any other cigar. Yeah. Because generally, a, rarely a day goes by I don't have an Africa. So I'm probably in a situation like this, I'm probably thinking, okay, well, Especially if I have the chance to get ahead a little, like okay, I normally pay twelve fifty for an Africa. If I buy two hundred of them here, I'm getting them for eleven dollars a stick. Well, and also there are three hundred of this Uno box that are going to be sold in the U.S. for a company that has a following like Drew Estate does, which is who distributes mm-hmm. Hoya. You're going to be able to sell that humidor. For 500 bucks. Right. And offset a lot of the cost. And offset a lot of the cost. AJ, maybe not. Maybe, let, let's say it's of similar kind and quality. Let's say 300 Right. But you spend 1700 bucks on 200 cigars. That's not, that's not a bad deal. Oh, did I? I don't remember if I shared this on the show. I don't know. Matter of fact, I don't remember if I told you this. Especially because you already have an Africa humidor. I do. I, um, a guy come in here with one of the Opus humidors. And he said, hey, I was wondering if anybody, if y'all know anybody be interested in buying this. He said, it was my son's and he passed away. And before I thought it through, I said, oh, this is the one with the secret drawer on the back and reach around and open the secret drawer. That could have went really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been 
disastrous depending on what was in the secret drawer on the Be- back of the humidor. Best case scenario, it's a couple of BBMFs. Yeah. Worst case scenario, it's a BBC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, it was empty. Yeah. <laughs> and afterwards, I kind of thought about that. Like, oh, wait. I might should have said, hey, do you know there's a secret drawer and would you like to open that before I do? Right. <laughs> but of course, me being up there, oh yeah, check out the secret drawer, fellas. <laughs> That could have went That's so wrong. That's the golden retriever in you. <laughs> it is. That that could have went so wrong so fast. Could you imagine the things that could have opened up and been in there? The human well, finger. <laughs> I mean, although I will say, speaking of which, we were having a conversation recently uh, with some family members of mine about the whole, like, cigar cutter Cutting a finger off, and it was determined that if you get if you line it up just right, you easily could do it. We're going to test it out on a chicken wing one of these days. Um, so I could easily see now at this point that a, a severed finger be in the back, but I, I feel like the kind of guy who's going to have the opus humidor, right? That's that's your cigar guy's cigar, right. like humidor. You would never cross the streams, so to speak. Right. You wouldn't use that to hide things of an unsundry nature. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think so. But I I did make a mental note to myself. Hey, if that situation ever arises again, perhaps you should talk to someone before popping open yeah. that secret drawer and for sure finding out something that he can't unlearn about his passed away son. Yeah. <laughs> At all. So yeah, for- there's no coming back from that. So this is from Aficionado, but it's been all over the place. Corona Cigar opens new store with El Septimo Cigar Lounge. So we talked about Corona on the show a lot. Jeff Borowitz's operation there out of... You like it down there. Oh, I like it. I've never been. Orlando, Tampa, Miami. He's got great cigar lounges. These are super high-end lounges. The bartenders are all very attractive young ladies. They have top-shelf drinks. You don't say, if you sit down in that cigar lounge and it's more than five minutes before a bartender walks up and says, "Hey, can I get you a drink?" It's rare. Yeah, and a lot of times, especially in Tampa when it's hot, they'll go ahead and bring you a water while you're sitting there. They'll go ahead and bring you a glass of ice and water and set it down in front of you and say, "Would you like a drink?" Yeah, and so top notch. Yeah, and Borowitz has had a tremendous amount of success out of this, and I'm very glad for him. He works very hard. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. And um, so they've opened a new one in Sarasota. Um, it's on the Florida's west coast in Sarasota, Florida. It's a 7,000 square foot space, which is pretty much commensurate to what his, his places yeah, usually that's are. That's about what size he operates in. Um, the thing about those places is they don't really have a humidor. They keep the shop humidified because he'll have so many. Yeah. You know, whereas in this humidor at any time, we may have $150,000 worth of cigars. He's probably closer to a million at yeah. any point. And all between cigars and overstocks and everything like that. He's yeah. probably... He's, he's probably doing a lot of mail-order business, too, though. Oh, huge mail-order business. And he's got his own Corona brand lines. He's got right. all of his own stuff in there. And this, So, two things that interest me about this article. One... I've been saying El Septimo's been trying to take over Davidoff's market share. You think this is a play that way? Well, you think about it, they just dropped Davidoff off of the Tampa Lounge. It's now Corona Cigars Tampa. It used to be Davidoff of Geneva Lounge. They just dropped that like last year. Okay. And now El Septimo's stepping in because the the lounge in Orlando's a Drew Estate Lounge. Okay. 
So it's interesting that they that El Septimo's kind of stepping into this role. It kind of supports my theory that they're really eyeballing. Well, the price yeah. point would suggest that as well. Yeah, the price point, the type of cigars, the type of clientele they're looking to attract, the cognac and the you know the million dollar cutters and all that stuff, kind of lends me to think they're going Davidoff. Yeah, I can see that. But um, grand opening is going to be in August. I'll, I'll probably go down there and check it out, just because it's cool. But what do you think about the mega luxury cigar lounge? So. One thing I will say, since if we're talking about the article and things that catch my eye, there are a couple of things that I really like about this shop. One, it has two cigar lounges. I love the idea of having a shop where there are two distinct zones. For as small as it was, Wise Ash in Atlanta was about half the size of this shop here. But... There was a the humidor formed a corridor to the back lounge, but there was also a table and some chairs up front too. So you had two distinct zones, and I really like that. Um, I, at Casa in New York, it was really well laid out that there was a lounge in the back, there was a lounge in the front, and then there was like a like a banquet kind of uh, built-in seating lounge area uh, in the middle as well. And it makes it just makes the flow of the shop work. It makes it so that if you've got a bunch of people working over here versus hanging out and lounging over there, I like that. Um, I also like that the side of the shop that they're showing in the photos here, it's tables and chairs. It's, right. It's not easy loungers. It's not couches. It's not... It's, this is for people that... Because that's the hardest part when you come into a shop with five people. Where do you sit? Right, because the big chairs take up a lot of space. And, and if you're someone like me who can't hear, those, the size of the chairs force the circle of conversation so wide that it means everyone around you is talking louder to hear their conversation, which makes it that much harder to hear your own. So I really like that. Um, so back to your question, though, <laughs> about the ultra-premium cigar lounge. I think, I think there's a way to do it. I I don't like the ultra premium for the sake of ultra premium cigar lounge. You know, the Davidoff Geneva on Fifth Avenue in New York. They have a smoking lounge about twice the size of my walk-in closet at my house. It's a private lounge. But they offer a $100 day pass to sit in there and smoke. Meanwhile, they are three blocks from Casa that has three times the seating, better prices on their sticks, way less pretension, and tons of place to sit. So, and it's free. So, I don't like exclusive for the sake of exclusive. But nice, but well-appointed, updated, you know, non-broken furniture, maybe a little more trendy design style. I do like that. I like that. I like a lot of what he does with these lounges. So the other part of this question is, if you say you had a cigar lounge in Florida, in Sarasota, that you'd had for many, many years. Yeah. Do you worry about this place coming in? Yes, but not for the reason that you think. So you were mentioning the Tampa shop and, some, and the one in Miami. Like, this is where 
you go for a night out when you're driving your McLaren or your Ferrari or your Lamborghini. It's a place to be seen. It's where the, the upper echelon of people are going to smoke and be seen. That's not my fear as a Sarasota cigar shop. This guy has four locations now, Tampa, Orlando, Miami, and now Sarasota. Which And he's able to do it with 7,000 square feet in each location with now we'll say $4 million worth of stock. This guy has purchase power that I can't compete with. Right. That's what concerns me. But I will say this about Borowitz. I've never seen him... I've never gone into one of his lounges and seen his cigars either priced above or significantly below MSRP. No, and you won't, but he'll have stuff you can't get. He will. Now he's he, going He's got the real estate to have more facings. He's got the purchase power to bring in the boutiques that have the outrageous opening order, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and and I think but I do think there's a place for this because if I'm in a town that's not really cigar friendly, you know, somewhere Chicago, DC, New York, where I'm just going to go to the Casa. Right. Yeah, I'm just going to go find Casa. And it's, you know, because I know what I'm getting. I know the prices are going to be reasonable. I know all this. And so I think having that footprint, having some place like that where, you know, you're from Miami, you're in Sarasota for a work trip or whatever, you know what you're getting into. You don't have to, because, and we've talked about the vibe of shops. You can look online, you can look at pictures, but if you're in a foreign city or, you know, a, not foreign, but, and you're trying to figure out where you're going to go, it's hard to figure out the vibe of the shop. Oh, very, very, until you walk in. Now, don't take long once you get there. No. But till you walk in, it is hard to figure that out. And so this is great because it allows you to know exactly what you're getting before you walk in the door. Yeah, it's um, one, of, one of those things that I don't think it would worry me. You know, if they, if they built a mega exclusive lounge in Franklin, it wouldn't worry me here in Spring Hill. Yeah. Because our people are our people. It would probably worry some of the other shops in Franklin. No, for sure. There's one shop in Franklin in particular that I was talking to a guy that goes there regular, and he says, man, everybody there, we're just waiting for Woody's to open. Yeah. You know, I've, I've talked to some people at that shop as well, and, and that seems to be the consensus. Yeah, that as soon as Woody's opens, all of his Which regulars, I thought was supposed to be like a month ago. Yeah, it's it's construction. Man. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just got a door put in today that I've been waiting on since oh, January. I can't wait to hear about that after the show. <laughs> but anyway, so... Um, Dapper Cigar Company and Holy Smoke collaborate on Genesis. So we've talked before about our disdain for the fact that every Bible study gets named Holy Smokes. Now, after our most recent tirade about this, we were informed that there's actually like a franchise cigar, cigar-based cigar uh, Bible study called Holy Smokes. So despite the fact that every independent one also calls themselves in, there's actually like a kind of like men's fraternity and some of those other, sure, you know. So, okay, let's, let's talk about the cigar first, then we'll talk about this, the thought behind it. The Genesis is going to be a six and a half by 28 by 52 box press figurado. What does the 28 mean? That's the, that's the tip. The tip's going to be 28. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, and it's composed of a Mexican Sandarius wrapper <laughs> covering a binder and filler blend in Nicaraguan. Um, sounds like a good cigar, but I will never smoke this cigar. Because of the name alone? I just don't think that you should commercialize religion. <laughs> Welcome to America, buddy. <laughs> well, it's, it's one of my things, you know. I, that, don't get me wrong. I agree with you. Uh, but it's just so funny. We we blur we blur the line between commercialism and capitalism and religion so much that I'm actually surprised it has taken this long. For for one of our founding principles to be separation of church and state, we don't do that real well. <laughs> not especially not in this part of the country. Yeah, we're in the Bible Belt here. So. You know, so Christian music. Take Christian music, for example. On one hand, you know, right now in this shop, there's a very famous Christian music artist sitting back there smoking with Mark, and he's a great dude. Yeah. And if you've never met him, he's absolutely a great dude. Um, I can sign off on Christian music because it opens up and makes palatable a worship to people that might not otherwise come around to it. The problem is it's also bad. It's it, it, it's not all bad, but by and large, it tends to be. Now, when I was in middle school, early high school, that was the music I listened to on the regular. But it's just so generic. Well, it depends on, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with comedy. If the person singing is genuinely mm. singing something that he believes in because it's something that's moved him in his life. And, yeah. If, if the person doing it is genuine, I think it makes a big difference. I think it does, too, but I think it's hard because the people writing the songs are not the people performing and making famous the songs. You know, I don't know how when the last time you were in a church was, but we have gone from wooden pews and hymnals to having a full-blown band on stage. What that has done to Christian music has made it way more profitable for the people who write it because they license to every church in the country is playing the same six songs on Sunday. And they have to license it every time they use it. So now it's gotten to where the people writing the songs are writing it for commercial appeal, for the monetary value of it. And I think we've got a problem there. Yeah, that that to me that crosses the line yeah. when you're just doing when you're just doing it because you say okay, I can make a bunch. You know, we went to a church here in Thompson Station, and it was like a concert and church broke out. We have two churches in Dixon that I'm remotely interested in. One of them is that way. It's a concert first, and I just don't like it. You know, and I think I've I've advanced this theory not on the show but in here. I think we're in the era that speed church would really work. Yeah, you think? Come in, come in, say a prayer, preach a sermon, pass the plate, say another prayer, you're in and out in 30 minutes. Yeah, and I, I think the pandemic actually really helped that because a lot of churches are still putting all of their stuff online, which is great. You go on YouTube, you fast forward through the first three songs. You catch the last song, which is the heartfelt, you know, trying to move you into the... You listen to the sermon and you get out. And, okay, in my opinion, the perfect sermon, 12 to 14 minutes. Yeah. 
I think if you're a if you're a pastor, and two jokes or fewer. Yeah, yeah, you're not Shecky up there. You're not Shecky does does the Bible. Yeah, you don't need a warm up guy. Like you don't need to bring me in. It's just I'm I'm here. Right. I've I've done the work. I, I don't need you to to warm me over. Right. Yeah. You you don't need an opening act. Yeah. Exactly. I just want you. I just want to come in. You you talk about the message. You talk about the scripture. You talk about what it means. You know. My pastor that used to be here in Spring Hill was the world's best at this. His sermons were 12 to 15 minutes, and he got to the point. Yeah. There's nothing worse than the old Southern Baptist preacher that drones on for 45 minutes. Yeah. And it's, it just, it, it's, it takes away all the joy out of the worship for me when they're doing that, because at a certain point, they're just... Because you've, you've said it. Right. You've, said, you've made your point. Don't sell yeah. past the close. You know what I'd like to see? Advanced church. Like, because if, if you're like you and I and you grew up in the church, I'm speaking specifically of like Protestant, you know, uh, denominations here in, here in the U.S. Like, I've heard it all. Right. I, I've heard all the sermons. I've heard all the things. I want collegiate level church. I want you to tell me something I've never heard before. I want you to challenge what my childhood preacher who was just preaching based on what he was taught, not what was actually written in the book. I want someone to come up with that. Well, you know, the, the best series our pastor ever did was called Tattoo. And he did a short video where someone would come on and we had a much younger church. They'd come on, they'd say, well, this is my tattoo and this is what this means to me. Yeah. And then he would link that to a passage in the Bible that talked about tattoos, about talked about when God marked Cain, when mm-hmm talked about these different things that could have been construed as a tattoo in the Bible. And it was, he got in big trouble with the Southern Baptist Convention. Oh, I'm sure. But it really worked. It was really a great, great sermon series that he participated in there. So I've done an informal survey of this here in the shop. All right. I've had people say, I don't care. And I've had people say, I don't like it. I've not had anybody say, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'll definitely, definitely buy one of those. Yeah. And also, it's it's ranged from apathy to dislike. It's not ranged from like to dislike. Can I tell you, I really don't like the name. You, there are so many options and opportunities. There are great names of characters from the Bible. There are great names of cities from the Bible. There are na- great names to say Genesis. Like... First of all, you're an upstart company in 2023. Cigars have been around for hundreds of years. You ain't Genesis. Right. <laughs> you are not the starting point. No. Uh, you're closer to Revelations than Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe, you know, you know, Second John. I'll give you that. But okay. yeah. <laughs> like, so, I, yeah, I, I take a little bit of issue with that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. If, if I was in charge of this company... And someone proposed this and said, hey, Holy Smokes wants us to make a Bible study cigar. I don't know how I would do it in a tasteful manner. See, you you call it forgiveness and you make it in a seven times seven by 70. (laughs) That's a deep biblical cut. That that is. You're talking about the duality of man by the time you're at the end of that cigar. (laughs) You're you're really down deep by the time you get to the end of that cigar. So kind of an interesting thought. I would be interesting for people just to email me, email us at info at the cigar cast. I'd like to know. I want somebody to tell me, yes, I think this is a great idea and I will smoke this cigar. 
Yeah. I want to see if there's somebody, and tell me why you would. Tell me why this feels good to you, because I'd like to know, because it just, it don't sit well with me. Yeah, it I'm, sit- I'm with you. And it's, even if it weren't called Holy Smokes, like if, even if it, if we take that part, because we've made that really abundantly clear how we feel on that. I still don't like the idea of an official Bible study cigar. It's just weird to me. It does seem weird. So, um, I guarantee you I know a shop that'll bring them in, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's already got them ordered. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, all right. So do you want to give your seven on that cigar first, or do you want me to go ahead and rate mine? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it is. You know, I what I love about this cigar, apart from the fact that, it, yes, it's absolutely a seven, every time... Every time I grab a, grab this cigar and sit down with somebody I've never met before or go to the cash register or whatever, every time, oh, man, that's a great cigar. Right. I've never had anybody say, oh, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. No, everyone's like, man, that is a great cigar. It's so universally loved, and I love that. One last thing, and I, I debated whether or not to say anything about this on a, on the show, but I'm gonna. I, I didn't prep you for it, so if I'm wrong, cut it out at the end. <laughs> cut cut straight to the part where I say he's have a great cigar. Yeah. Um, we had a member of the cigar community pass away this weekend here in Nashville. Um, ben Cowherd. Yeah. Who was a great member of the cigar community? He worked at all the shops. He knew everybody. I didn't realize you knew him. Oh yeah. He also was a he was a, such a good dude. Mm-hmm. He also was big in the music business. Luke Combs, a lot of guys like that knew Ben, and Ben will be sorely missed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there, there's been an outpouring of support and condolences online, and and it just speaks to what a presence he was in the community. And yeah, if if you spent any time in Nashville in the cigar shop, you met him. Yeah, Ben was just a great guy, and I, I really hated to see him go, and um, just a absolute great guy, but I wouldn't feel good if I didn't say something about what a what an outstanding person he was and how sad, how, how sad it is to lose somebody like that in the community. So anyway, so the Adventura, it's almost a good cigar. Mm-hmm. Or, well, it's a good cigar. It's almost a great cigar. Yeah. I'll put it that way. It teeters right on the line of being a great cigar. Um, I don't know that it's got enough on the ball to sell here, but it might. It's a great, it's a great golf course cigar for the for the front nine. You know that that's a get started. It it's a breakfast cigar for me. Yeah, yeah, it's a good cigar. The flavor is excellent. The construction has been wonderful through the whole thing. The draw has been excellent. Everything has been good to this cigar. Um, I wonder if I need to smoke another one in a different situation where I'm maybe not analyzing every aspect of it. Yeah. And just pick it up and enjoy it sometime just for the joy of the cigar. But I'm, I'm going to give it a five and a half. Oh, that's... I would have thought you were going to go lower than that. No, I'll give it a five and a half because I can see the potential in this cigar. Mm-hmm. And it does make me, one of the factors, it does make me want to smoke another Adventura. Okay, that's a Just good... Just see what they're going to be like. Yeah. So, um, um, it's a solid five and a half. All right. Well, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at info at the cigar... Co- that's not the order I normally do that in. <laughs> Facebook.com slash the cigar cast. Instagram and Twitter at the cigar cast. And email info at the cigar cast.com. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Yeah.